You're listening to A Sure Hope with Pastor Dave Shank of Calvary Chapel, Cape May in Cape May, New Jersey. Join us as Pastor Dave teaches verse by verse through God's Word. start placing your traditions, when you start placing your thoughts and your interpretations of God's law above the actual law, you're in trouble. They look down upon the common people because they thought they had the slightest chance of fulfilling God's law. There's no way they can even understand the complex requirements. That's why they need us. They need us to tell them what to do and how to do it. Remember what Jesus said to the people? Don't do as Pharisees do. As you listen to today's message, Pastor Dave will teach on the danger of making your own rules. When you begin to put your own rules above or in place of the Word of God, you run the risk of doing what the Pharisees did. By making their own rules and judgments, they missed out on getting to know Jesus. Now here's Pastor Dave in the book of John chapter 7 as he begins his message, Misled, Misguided, Misjudged. Gospel of John, chapter 7, beginning in verse 20. The people answered and said, You have a demon. Who is seeking to kill you? Jesus answered and said to them, I did one work, and you all marvel. Moses therefore gave you circumcision, not that it is from Moses, but from the fathers, and you circumcise a man on the Sabbath. If a man receives circumcision on the Sabbath, so that the law of Moses should not be broken, Are you angry with me because I made a man completely well on a Sabbath? Do not judge according to appearance, but judge with righteous judgment. So I've said this before, and I don't mind repeating myself. I often do. One of the things I love about Calvary Chapel is we go line by line, verse upon verse. We never miss anything that the Bible tells us. One of the things that's difficult for me as a Calvary Chapel pastor is that we go line upon line, verse upon verse. And when we get the difficult passages... We need to look at them and we need to embrace them into our lives. We need to take them for what they are. We don't shy away from any scriptures. And today's verses led me to think that it was harsh, but as I sat before the Lord, he impressed upon my heart that we need to learn these things and to move forward in his love. And we're going to talk about that love in a while. So let me start by asking you a simple question or a series of simple questions. Has anyone ever misled you? Yeah, probably. It's interesting that synonyms for mislead are these. Deceive, delude, take in, to lie, to fool, to lead astray. And one of them was to hoodwink. I like that. So has anybody ever hoodwinked you? Now for the big question. Has it happened by anybody you thought might be religious? Probably. If we're truthful, it probably has. Might even have been myself. Maybe you've been misguided. Maybe you've been misguided. And to misguide simply means to misdirect. When you misguide someone, you lead them astray from the truth. You misdirect the way they think. Maybe this has happened to you. Sadly, 
And usually, the end result of being misled and being misguided is misjudgment. In other words, you form a wrong opinion about someone or something based upon being given wrong information about that person or that thing. Being misled and misguided can lead into judging others by their appearance. And worse, we judge others by what other people say about them. In our scriptures today, we see this very thing happening during the great feast of tabernacles. As you know, when we studied, Jesus has finally made his way to the Feast of Tabernacles. His brothers had long gone up before him, and about halfway through the feast, about the fourth day, Jesus shows up. He goes immediately into the temple, and he starts to teach them his doctrine. He says his doctrine is not his own, but his doctrine comes from him who sent him. He's teaching God's doctrine. They become baffled. They can't believe that a man with no training, a man who has no education, a man who is nothing but a carpenter from the town of Nazareth could speak like this. Where did he get this training? Where did he get this knowledge? He never sat under the rabbis. How could he possibly, possibly? So Jesus is in an argument, so to speak, with these people. And the first thing we see is that the people are misled about who Jesus is, and they are misled by the religious leaders of all people. Look at verse 20. The people answered and said to him, You have a demon. Who is seeking to kill you? They immediately dismissed Jesus' remarks. The people are kept in the dark about the evil intent of the religious leaders. To them, this man Jesus was acting mad or insane. They had no idea that the religious leaders had wanted to kill him because the religious leaders misled them. The religious leaders misled them. All they saw in their own eyes and what the religious leaders were telling them, all they saw was a threat to the religious establishment, a threat to the religious leaders, a threat to the religion that proven itself over generations and generations and generations. A religion that contributed to not only their society, but to them as a whole, as a nation. And they saw this as a threat to the founding fathers, who they thought the most godly leaders in all of history. That's all they saw, because they were misled by the religious leaders. From their viewpoint, only an evil man, filled with evil spirit, would oppose such a religion. So Jesus must be insane. That was their conclusion. And as they stood, they listened to Jesus, someone they didn't know much about. They must have thought that his mind was deranged. What the heck is he talking about? They're trying to kill him. Your imagination is running away with yourself. What's wrong with you? Surely he must be controlled by an evil spirit. Why? Well, these people thought that their religious leaders could do little harm. They had raised their religious leaders up to a pedestal so high that no one could compare to them. No one could reach that pinnacle. How can this ordinary man, how can this Jesus say they're trying to kill me? Our religious leaders would never think of that. However, the Gospel of John proves them wrong. Because if you remember, when we studied back in John 5, 16... John writes these words, For this reason the Jews persecuted Jesus and sought to kill him, 
because he had done these things on the Sabbath. John clearly states that they wanted to kill him. They wanted to do away with Jesus. But they had misled the people, saying that Jesus was delusional. He was insane. He was paranoid. He was mad. See, the religious leaders of this time held great power. They held enormous power. They had enormous power. They determined what was going to be taught, and they determined how God's word was going to be applied to someone's life. It's called the Mishnah. It's called the Talmud. The oral interpretation of God's law. And I told you before, it's volumes and volumes of volumes over how to address God's law. It was their interpretations. The most well-known of these religious leaders, Pharisees. They were the religious party. The word Pharisee literally means separatist. The name given to them by their opponents because they had a holier-than-thou attitude. Have you ever run into somebody like that? They had a haughty attitude. They raised themselves up above people. They loved to look down on the little people. They loved to look down. Their supreme aim, however was to strictly follow not only the written law of Moses, but the oral interpretation of the law of Moses. And where they got in trouble was when they raised the interpretation and the traditions of men above God's word. And hence, we'll always get in trouble when we do that, ladies and gentlemen. When you start placing your traditions, when you start placing your thoughts and your interpretations of God's law above the actual law, you're in trouble. They looked down upon the common people because they thought, you know, the slightest chance of fulfilling God's law. There's no way they can even understand the complex requirements. That's why they need us. They need us to tell them what to do and how to do it. Remember what Jesus said to the people? Don't do as the Pharisees do. Listen to them, but don't do as they do. Don't do as they do. Pharisees had such Hold on the common people. They had such a hold on them that nobody could mess with them, not even the Romans. When the Romans wanted to deal with the Jew, they always went to the Pharisees. Pharisees misled people. Nobody dare question the Pharisees for fear of excommunication. And when you got excommunicated from the Jewish faith, you were excommunicated from the nation. So nobody messed with the Pharisees. Jesus railed against them time and time again in Matthew 23, this great, beautiful dissertation by Jesus entitled in my Bible, Woe to the scribes and Pharisees. Woe to these people. He says, whatever they tell you, observe. That observe and do. But do not do according to their works, for they say and do not do. They bind heavy burdens hard to bear and lay them on men's shoulders, but they themselves will not move them with one of their fingers. But all their works they do seem by men. They, wear, they make broad phylacteries, broad and enlarge the borders of their garments. They love the faces at the feast and the best seats in the synagogues. Greetings in the marketplace, and they be called by men, Rabbi, Rabbi. But you do not be called Rabbi, for one is your teacher, the Christ, and you are all his brethren. And do not anyone on earth call you father, for there is one father, your father in heaven. Do not be called teachers, for one is your teacher, the Christ. But he who is the greatest among you shall be your servant. Whoever exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. 
Pharisees loved it when you called them rabbi. They used to look around and they would say, thank you, God, for not making me a Gentile or a woman. They put themselves above everybody. They walked around with this holier-than-thou attitude, and what they said went. If you didn't agree with them, you were in a world of hurt. Jesus railed against them. It's interesting that even today, some people think religious leaders can do no wrong. But you know better, right? <laughs> you know better, right? I hope. Uh, I hope. Religion and religious leaders can be wrong just as any establishment or anyone else can be wrong. No one is exempt from failing. No one is exempt from falling. No one is exempt from coming up short because we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We are all sinners. I am no different than you. I am a sinner saved by God's grace and God's grace alone. I just happen to be a man that God has put here to do these things. But we're all the same. Do not elevate anyone. Do not elevate anyone. This is why Jesus came. He came to point out this misconception. He came to correct it, and he came to forgive sin. For God so loved the world. We studied that. Jesus also came to pass judgment on those who didn't believe in the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. Those who wouldn't repent and receive God's forgiveness. We read about that in John 3, verses 18 and 19. My encouragement for you today, my encouragement for you today as it would be in any other day, Put your faith, put your trust, put your hope in the only one who is worthy and deserves that faith, trust, and hope, and his name is Jesus Christ. Put your faith, put your hope, put your trust in no man to the point where you supersede Jesus Christ because man will always fail you. I'm sorry. It is not my intent to fail any one of you for my love for you. It's not my intent to do that. But I might. I might. We're not above anything. Christ is the head. It's all about you, Jesus. It's all about you. My job is simple. Direct you to him. That's simple. Direct you to the one who can heal you to the one who can forgive you, to the one who is the way to heaven. That's what we do here. We direct you to him. We don't direct you to us. We direct you to him. Look to him. So the religious leaders misled the people. They deceived them, making them think that Jesus was a mad person. The religious leaders also misguided the people. Look at verses 22 and 23. Jesus answered and said, I did one work and you all marvel. Moses therefore gave you circumcision, not that it was from Moses, but from the fathers. And you circumcise a man on the Sabbath. If a man receives circumcision on the Sabbath so that the law of Moses should not be broken, are you angry with me because I made a man completely well on the Sabbath? Remember, to misguide simply means to misdirect. They were taking their eyes off of the God's commandments and putting them on their tradition and what they thought. Jesus' argument is simple. I did one work. I healed a man on the Sabbath. It was simple. He knew it. Jesus owned right up to it. He did it. They all knew it. Jesus owned up to it. I healed a man on the Sabbath. 
Which work were you speaking of? He was speaking about chapter 5 when he healed the lame man at the pool of Bethesda. He was speaking about that man. I did one work on the Sabbath. What are you talking about? What's wrong with you? I did one work. Basically, Jesus was saying that here is all that according to the law of Moses. The law of Moses states that when a child is born, a male child is born, eight days later, he must be circumcised. That was the law. And he's saying, if a child is born and eight days later it's a Sabbath, you circumcise the child because it's in the law. Now, according to the Mishnah, remember the Mishnah is one of the oral interpretations of the law. Their interpretation was the commandment to circumcise overrides the commandment of the Sabbath. They circumvented the commandment of the Sabbath. In other words, they applied the law of the Sabbath whenever they wanted to. Whenever they wanted to. Hit or miss. They applied the law of the Sabbath. They held their oral law greater esteem than the commandments of God. And Jesus railed about that in Mark 7 when the disciples did not wash their hands before they ate and the Pharisees got all over the disciples for not cleansing themselves, Jesus says, you lay aside the commandment of God and you hold the traditions of men, the washings of pitchers and cups and many other such things. All too well you reject the commandment of God that you may keep your tradition. That's what they were doing. Their tradition became more important than the commandment of God. Their tradition became more important. Jesus condemned their hypocrisy. It was evident by their pride and their outward observance of the law, but inward spiritually, they weren't observing the law. They were arrogant. And their belief was that they were more religious than anyone else. The religious leaders were more interested in the outward sign of circumcision than the inward sign of the heart. Where's your focus? Are you focuses on someone's outward appearance? Or are you focused on what's happening in someone's heart? What's happening in their heart? These religious leaders were leading people astray. They falsely and hypocritically accused Jesus of breaking their law on the Sabbath. And yet they themselves broke it every time they circumcised a child on the Sabbath. Even though Jesus did a great work. He caused a lame man to walk. Forty years after being lame, he caused them to walk. He says, so what is it? Is it okay to do good on the Sabbath? Is it okay to do good? Jesus refused to be bound by the letter of the law. One commentator says this, quote, It seems that Jesus intentionally performed many miracles of healing on the Sabbath day just to make a point with the religious leaders about their blindness of keeping the letter of the law at the cost of what the law really required. Jesus told the religious leaders in context of the Sabbath dispute, If you had known what this means, I desire compassion and not sacrifice, you would have not condemned the innocent. He says, is it lawful to do good on the Sabbath? Jesus is making a point. Many today are being misguided in the teaching of the Word of God. They're being misguided. God's Word has now become secondary in the church. The cross doesn't count for anything anymore. Jesus' sacrifice is being discounted and laid aside. No one's teaching on those things. In fact, there are those that are teaching that the cross has lost its power. That it no longer has the power to forgive. There's no preaching of sin. There's no preaching of repentance. There's no preaching of forgiveness. There's no preaching of consequences for abandoning Christ's sacrifice. You don't hear that in many places. 
or my friends, my loved ones. As J. Vernon McGee would say, my beloved, I care for you too much not to tell you those things. I care for you too much not to tell you that there needs to be repentance. Not to tell you that the cross is the only way to eternal life. Not to tell you that Jesus came to die for you and you and you and you and you and everybody in this room. I care enough for you to tell you that Jesus is the only way to heaven. There is no other way. And if you choose another way, you will have to answer to him and him alone, not me. You have to answer to him. And I'm here to tell you that today, if you do choose that other way, there are consequences. And the main consequence is eternal separation from God. They call it hell. And God does not send anyone there. It's a choice that you make in your heart to reject what happened on the cross. I'm here to tell you that today because I love you. And because I need to tell you that. You need to have that guarded in your heart today. You need to have that solidified in your heart and know that that is the truth of what God says. The religious leader misled the people. They misguided the people. And this led the people to misjudge who Jesus was. They began judging by appearance, not with righteous judgment. Look at verse 24. Jesus speaks and says, Do not judge according to appearance, but judge with righteous judgment. Notice he didn't say we couldn't judge. He just said, don't judge according to appearance. Judge with righteous judgment. We'll get to that in a minute. Jesus accused the people, you're judging incorrectly, he says. They were looking at the appearances. They were looking at the, this was contrary to the law of justice. It was contrary to the law of life. To the people, the Messiah could come in glory. He would be like a God, and he would be something to behold. Jesus didn't come that way. Jesus came in the form of a servant. He came in the likeness of sinful flesh. He had no form or comeliness that would be drawn to him. Their judgment was only by outward appearances. We studied 1 Samuel. The nation wanted a king. And God gave them Saul, a good-looking, strapping man, tall, taller than anyone in the kingdom, good-looking, well-poised, wealthy. And we all know that that didn't work out very well. There are some problems with that. So God chose a little ruddy guy, a small in stature, a shepherd who was dirty and did nothing but spend time with his sheep because they had a heart after God's. His name was David. And God says, I'm not interested in outward appearances. I look upon the heart, and I see what's in a man's heart. That's 1 Samuel 16, 7, paraphrase. God is not interested if you have letters after your name. PhD, QRS, TUV. It doesn't really matter. Doesn't matter the initials after your name or what you place in for your name. Pastor, Revlin, Holy Raccoon. I don't care what it is that you place in front of your name. Grand Poopa. I don't care. God doesn't care. God doesn't care. He's not interested even in your abilities. He's not interested in your intelligence. Thank you, Lord. He's not interested in how smart you are. They were uneducated. They were untrained men, but they knew they'd been with Jesus. God is interested in your heart. We'd love to keep studying the Word of God with you again next time on Assure Hope. In the meantime, we invite you to learn more about this program by visiting our website, assurehoperadio.com. There, you'll find our archive of previous messages from Pastor Dave Shank, available to listen to, download, or even share with your friends and family, all free of charge. Just look under the Messages tab. 
You can listen to additional teachings from this series in John or jump to another book of the Bible. Each book gives some useful insight into God's plan for you and the world you live in. We trust that A Sure Hope is an encouraging program for you. And if you're without a church family, we'd love for you to join us. If you happen to be in the Cape May area, we'd love to meet you in person for a time of worship and Bible study right here at Calvary Chapel, Cape May. We meet weekly on Sunday at 10 a.m. And you can find all the information you need by visiting assurehoperadio.com. If you live further away or are unable to come in person, we understand. And we'd still love for you to be a part of our church family virtually. You can join us for church online through Facebook Live and on YouTube. Just follow the links that are available at assurehoperadio.com. And don't forget to like and subscribe to keep up to date with the latest information. That's all the time we have for today. Thanks for joining us for this edition of Assure Hope.